Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, folks. This is Dr. Tim Jordan, and this is a new episode of my podcast, Raising Daughters. Uh, I'm glad you came aboard today. I have a very, what I think is interesting topic to talk about, which is this, marriage. Is it work or is it joy? I went to a, a wedding recently of two young people, young to me anyway. They're both in their middle 30s. And I kept hearing over and over as people were giving toasts and blessings about how it was going to be such a hard road to hoe, but but they could work it out together and they could figure things out together. And no matter what kind of obstacles come their way, they were going to be able to make, make it through. And I'm not trying to be Pollyannish. And I, I know that, you know, everything isn't always la-di-da when you're married. And there was one particular toast that really got to me. The toast said something to the effect of uh, this couple had been doing some sailing together. And so they did a sailing metaphor. And they said, when you go out sailing... 90% of the time is spent on repairs, and only 10% is joy. And they said, marriage is, is the same. And I thought to myself, really? First of all, do you really want to send people out newly married with that kind of a thought in their mind? And I also wondered, is this mantra of relationships being tough and challenging and requiring superhuman effort to maintain, is that why so many young people are putting off marriage today? So that's what we're going to talk about today in this podcast. First off, uh, the average age of the first marriage in our country has changed a lot. In the 1950s, the average age of first marriage was 20. In 1980, the average age of the first marriage for women was 22. And for women in 1990, it was age 24. Fast forward to last year, 2017, the average age of first marriage for women was 27.4 years. And for men, 29.5 years. So we've been starting to put off marriage in the last 60 years, but especially in the last 20 or so. It's also interesting that the number of single people in the United States who are living with their significant other, people who are cohabitating, in 2016 it was 18 million people. And that was about a 30% increase since 2007. Perhaps another sign that people are not rushing into marriage. Now, if you look at other countries, which, which I thought it would be interesting to do, to see when their first marriages were happening, it's not too different for most. In Canada, the average age for women is 30. In Mexico, it's 26. In Belgium, it's 30. France, 31. In Germany, the average age for, the uh, for women to get married for the first time is 31. Ireland, 32. Italy, 31. Uh, in China, it's 25. Russia, 27. In the UK, it's 33. In Australia, it's 30. In every country, men uh, are two to three to four years older at their first marriage. I don't want this podcast to be about why that's true or, or judging if it's good or bad. This is more about is marriage hard. But I think a lot of people point to the economy, 
the recessions that happened in early 2000s and 2008 has created a lot of anxiety about job security. And there's a belief, I think, with young people, it's going to take a lot longer to gain financial security. And I think a lot of young people, millennials, are not willing to take on the responsibility of, of a spouse and a home and having kids, and they have larger student debt. And I think it, that, that's a huge reason why they're kind of putting it off. But I also feel like in this culture today, there's a lot of dissatisfaction around the whole idea of marriage. The divorce rate as of 2018 is, is around 45%. It peaked in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and then it, in the 2000s it started to go down a little bit from maybe 50%. But there's also some research that shows that the average marriage today is weaker than the average marriage in the past in terms of satisfaction and the divorce rate. But the best marriages, the really good ones today, are much stronger than they were in the past. But the marriages that have remained intact have generally become less satisfying, according to research. So I think there's a lot of things that have sort of caused young people to look at marriage in sort of a negative way. I also think that being raised where they have in the last 20 years has, has been an effect. I think a lot of young people today have had their whole lives structured for them. Every step has been kind of laid out for them, and it's made it safe for them. It was easy for them to know what to do next because it was all planned out. There's this kind of one ideal path, and, and most young people kind of follow it, which means, though, that making new choices, bold choices when you're an adult doesn't feel safe. It causes a lot of anxiety to sort of move out of that comfort zone kind of thing because they're not used to not having a plan, having things all worked out. A lot of young people tell me that they want to have all their ducks in a row before they are ready to commit and get married. And that's a lot different than my boomer generation because I think most of us felt like we were going to get married and kind of grow up together. We were going to start our life together, create our life together, uh, going through a lot of growing up together. And marriage was kind of a marker for adulthood, but that's not true today. And I'm not saying our boomer generation is any better off because our track record is poor, right? Half of our marriages end up in divorce. So we don't have too many legs to stand on when it comes to advising young people about when to get married. But because there's been so much divorce, half of kids in this country will experience their parents breaking up and getting divorced. Half. Think about that. So half of the young people, half of the millennials who are thinking about marriage have been through a divorce. They saw a bad marriage. They saw stress in their home, tension, fighting. They probably saw a lack of closeness. They probably saw very poor conflict resolution skills modeled. And they did not get the chance to internalize a healthy template, i.e. a happy, loving marriage. And that template that they missed out on is important because I think it's a huge factor in them looking forward and looking at marriage as being hard and being a challenge. Expectations about marriage have also changed over the last several hundred years. Up until about the year 1800, marriage was mostly about economic and political advancement. I mean, the truth was marriage was about getting good in-laws. Your partner's skills, their resources, and how they looked, their personality, that was less important than establishing cooperative relationships between families, communities, and even countries. In the 1800s, love became more of a cultural ideal. It wasn't really seen as the main ingredient for a successful marriage, but it started to become the ideal. We started talking about 
the, uh, romance and love. From 1750 to 1970, the old school arranged patriarchal marriage was replaced by a more love-based ideal. Uh, and even in the 50s with the, you know, the male breadwinner and the, and the mom staying home, this ideal of a lifelong intimacy and monogamy. That doesn't mean most people achieved that. It just means that it became more of an ideal. In the 1950s, when World War II ended and the Depression was over, that's when the boomers were born, including me. And there's this massive consumer economy that sprang up, and there's a hunger for marriage at that time. That's when the lowest marriage rate occurred. That was like people were like the average age was 20 for women and men in the in the uh, 50s. Also, in those years since then, there's been an increased uh, emphasis on marriage, providing both people, husband and wife with sexual gratification, with self-fulfillment, and personal intimacy. In the 60s, we had the sexual revolution. The birth control pill gave more control over sexuality, which I think affected marriage, obviously. We experienced the women's movement. There was a huge shift to self-expression. The divorce rate went up. The age of first marriage went up. The number of unmarried moms and dads went up. The uh, number of working women went up. And since that time, there's been a slowly rising age of first marriage. So, so now it's in the late 20s. There's also sort of been a diminished role of marriage in organizing our, our personal and social lives. It used to be a mark of adulthood. It isn't any longer. We've also, in this day and age, kind of raised the standard for what a good marriage is. It's not enough to, to live together on a farm and both of you do your jobs and maybe you'll, you'll fall in love. Today, there's, uh, the marriage is called like a, a self-expressive marriage, in, in, in essence. We now look to marriage for self-discovery, self-esteem, personal growth. It's, it's become a way to achieve personal achievement um, and also growth. You think about, uh, there's two marriages, uh, not two marriages, two movies I think about. First one was a movie from uh, Jack, a uh, movie called As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. And at one point, point he's out uh, at dinner with Helen Hunt, and he says to her, you make me want to be a better man. Think about that Jerry Maguire movie when Tom Cruise tells Renee Zellweger, you complete me. So there's this idealized agreement that we're going to love each other deeply, we're going to choose each other without any of the outside pressures that used to be inherent in our marriages, we're going to make our partner our top priority above everything else, our deepest loyalty is to our spouse and then kids if we have them. Married couples are supposed to be best friends and share their most intimate, close feelings. And they should express their affection and emotions openly, and they're supposed to stay monogamous. This was not true 50, 100, 200 years ago. So I guess because of these, these raised expectations and because so many people went through divorces, there's a, there's a higher wish for and a higher expectation about what marriage is supposed to do for us. And because of that high expectation, I think that also scares young people from, re, from getting married because they don't want to repeat the negative patterns that they grew up with. And it wasn't a few of them, it was half of them. I think they have a sense that we're going to have to invest a lot of time and energy to meet this high level uh, of expectations, these, these needs that we're supposed to be getting through our marriages. But there's also a mismatch here because even though there's a sense of 
There's going to need to be a much higher in investment in our marriages and more time, energy, etc. On average, according to research, Americans are investing less time in their marriages than they were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and to the detriment of those relationships. Less time invested, even though, even though the expectation is higher. Uh, Professor Dew, D.E.W., in his research, has shown that relative to Americans in 1975, Americans in 2003 spent much less time alone with their spouses. And among spouses who have kids at home, the amount of time spouses spent together declined to nine hours per week from 13 hours per week in 1975. And much of that decline was from an increase in time-intensive parenting. Time-intensive parenting. We're parenting where we're spending a lot more time. And that's not a bad thing to spend time with our kids. And sometimes we get hyper-involved in our kids' lives, maybe to the detriment of our marriages. I've also talked to a lot of young adults who are in their middle, late 20s, early 30s, and they start to feel pressure. Like there's like it's, at some point in their 20s, they're kind of like moving to big cities, they're having fun, and they are uh, free, and fa and fa uh, they're free and, and uh, going out and doing hookups and all that, and it's fun and all that. But at some point... I think there's a sense of maybe I need to settle down. Maybe I should settle down. And there's probably pressure from their families that says, you're 30, you're 33, you're 35, you're 38. When are you going to get married? So I think all those online dating sites uh, have become a, a boom because of that. There's some pressure that you're supposed to find the one. And if you haven't found them by the time you're 30 or are getting into your 30s, it's kind of like, oh my God, am I ever going to find one? And are all the good ones already taken? And what if I want kids? Now I'm 33, I'm 35, I'm 37. Are we going to be able to have kids? And I think a lot of young adults, millennials, are feeling that kind of pressure. So what can we do to support our young adults when it comes to relationships? One of them is because so many of them have suffered through divorces when they were kids. They need help in processing through all the emotions and issues from that breakup. Many of these young adults have issues with uh, having a hard time trusting people, fears of commitment, that I think goes back at least partially to their divorce that they went through. I also think young adults are having a hard time living with the uncertainty of not knowing all the next steps and will the marriage work and am I going to be good enough for the marriage? Am I going to find the right person? So I think we need to remind them that in the old days, quote-unquote, of the boomers and before, that most of us grew up together. And of course there's uncertainty, and of course there's going to be doubts. And you figure stuff out together. You create your careers together. You build a family together. You build a home together. You don't need to have it all figured out right now, because none of us did. We weren't more mature necessarily than, than the young people are today. So they might just decide to relax and remind themselves that you don't have to have everything in your life figured out. There's going to be uncertainty, and that's okay. I encourage young adults, uh, even kids who are in middle school, high school, who have been through divorces, to spend time with healthy couples, be they grandparents, aunts and uncles, or maybe their friends' parents. I want them to see what it's like to be around a healthy marriage, where people are close and loving they need a template, and they need that template model for them. And for many of them, half of them at least, 
is not being modeled in their homes. And even the parents who haven't divorced, many of them are not in good, healthy marriages. So they need to find some healthy models for them to, to check out. It's also important, I think, to let our young adults know that it's okay to create your own vision for your marriage. That even though there may be expectations from the culture and ideals from the culture, it doesn't have to be your ideals and your vision. That you can create your own, what it's going to look like when you get married, how you get married, if you have kids, when you have kids. Don't allow your life to be run by shoulds. I've mentioned it before, but I want our our young people to know also that no one's ever, quote-unquote, ready to get married. And that there's some things that you can only learn in a committed relationship. You can go to personal growth retreats on your own, and that's awesome. You can read books, that's awesome. But there's some things about relationships you're not going to learn until you're in one. And not in one, but in a committed one. I also find a lot of young kids, not kids, quote-unquote, People in their teens, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 22-year-olds who are dating, and they, they tell me how hard it is. It's up and down, and they break up, and they come back together. And I tell them, if you've been dating somebody for three months or six months, and it's hard, I tell them to run. Because if it's hard in that honeymoon phase, in the early going, when you're 16, 17, 18, 21, 22, it's probably not going to work out. That there's somebody out there where it shouldn't be that hard, especially in the early going. It shouldn't be that hard. They don't need to put up with it. They need to break it off and they need to create the space so that someone who's healthier can, uh, can find them. Let me read you some statistics I got from a, a site that talked about uh, young people who are less likely to get divorced. It goes like this. You're less likely to get divorced if you have a college degree. You're less likely to get divorced if you live in a blue state. You are less likely to get divorced if you had happily married parents yourself. You are less likely to get divorced if you marry after age 25. And my favorite is the last one here. You're less likely to get divorced if you watch romantic movies with your spouse. And I love movies. When people ask me and my wife, because I think we have a great marriage, and we've been married for 37 years. Well, ask me, what's the most important thing to create that kind of a healthy relationship, or even to be a good parent? And my answer is usually this. Do personal growth, individually and as a couple. Grow up, grow together. Um, I think when you go on personal growth retreats, couples retreats, things like that, you, you can learn really good communication skills and how to resolve conflicts peacefully, You can figure out any old baggage that you're bringing into your relationship, and you can take care of that. Because if you don't, that baggage will trigger a lot of anger and arguments in your present relationship. So I tell them, do personal growth, clean stuff up that you might be bringing from your past. There's some good stuff you're bringing from your past, take it with you. Stuff you don't want to take with you, the unhealthy stuff, leave it behind. Process through it and leave it behind. That, to me, is the most important thing you can do to create a healthy relationship that's not going to be 90% hard work. I also want to say this to young adults. Take the pressure off. The truth is that we all tend to marry people of very similar psychological and emotional health. So I sometimes have young adults, especially high school, college age women who I work with, I have them make a list of the qualities of their soulmate. 
the person they really want to spend their life with, if that's what they want to do. Listen to the number of qualities about that person. And I tell them, once you have the list, take a look at it and then become the list. Because if you're, if you're wanting someone, a soulmate who is healthy and so, um, socially, emotionally healthy and who is psychologically healthy, you're probably not going to attract that person if you're not that way. So spend some time preparing for marriage by reading books and doing personal growth retreats and going to counseling if need be. Because if you can clean up anything that you don't want to bring forward into your life and you are healthy and psychologically healthy, you're much more likely to attract someone just like that. I don't believe that marriage is 90% hard work, 90% overcoming challenges, and only 10% joy. I think it's the opposite. There's things you have to work through. There's challenges that come up when you have kids that, that adds wrinkles. And if you're both healthy, if you have good communication skills, then it won't be as hard, quote unquote. You'll be able to handle things peacefully. You won't get so stressed out with each other. You won't take things out on each other. Take care of yourself. Do your personal growth work now. And create your own belief system that says that a lifelong relationship is not hard. It's not going to be mostly challenges and having to work things out. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure. And it's going to bring a lot of joy and fulfillment. Thanks so much for tuning in to Raising Daughters. Uh, I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician. I work with with girls age uh, grade school through college in my counseling practice, summer camps, weekend retreats, etc., uh, check out my new book, which is called Letters from My Grandfather, Timeless Wisdom for a Life Worth Living. It's on my website. It's on Amazon, Kindle, Nook, Barnes & Noble. It's in all those places. It's some good advice to give to young adults and also to parents who have young adults, people who are in their late teens, uh, early, mid-20s. Stop by every two weeks for this podcast. I appreciate it. Stop by the other weeks for my, uh, my blogs. Check out my website for that little button you press so that this comes free to your emails. I'll see you back here for another podcast in two weeks. Uh, Have a good marriage. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.